We believe Jamie was in the home at the time of the homicides, and we believe she is still in danger. A brutal murder in the middle of the night and a 13-year-old girl missing. The case of Jamie Kloss captures the nation's attention. The sense of urgency is growing by the minute here in Barron County, Wisconsin. A community on edge. We're all scared. Who who did this? Who would do something like this? A family desperate to find her. My life was ripped apart and shattered into pieces. A mystery in a small town. I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I just don't know what happened in this case. But hope never lost. Thank God, after those 88 days, we at least got answers. I'm Lou Raguse. This is 88 Days, the Jamie Kloss Story. Chapter 5, The Escape. Just in tonight, Wisconsin's Barron County Sheriff wants everyone to know that Jamie Kloss has not been found. This is the story near the top of our 6 p.m. newscast on January 10th, 2019. There were rumors this afternoon that the 13-year-old had been found in Walworth County after a post on the Back the Blue Wisconsin Facebook page. The sheriff posted that there is a large law enforcement presence in Walworth County, but that it's not related to the Jamie Claus case. Jamie has been missing since October. Our newsroom is buzzing when someone spots that Facebook post. It's on a law enforcement support group called Back the Blue, Wisconsin. They write, Jamie Kloss is alive, found in Walworth County. Details coming soon. Walworth County is all the way across the state, four and a half hours away, near the Illinois border. But then Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald responds on social media by posting, Jamie Kloss has not been located. This is false news. Back the Blue, Wisconsin, then deletes its post and deactivates its page. Because of that, I'm not able to directly reach out to them to find out where they got their information. But it's not sitting well with me, because pages like this are often run by close friends or family members of officers, and they do often hear about developments in cases before that information is officially released to the press. Then on the other hand, Sheriff Fitzgerald pretty firmly bats down the notion that Jamie was found. But as I go home, have dinner, and start to put my kids to bed, it still bothers me. And my suspicions grow as I start hearing from other people who are following the case who tell me that they're hearing that Sheriff Fitzgerald is wrong and Jamie actually was found. So at about 7.30 from my kitchen, I call Kelly Engelhart, Jim Kloss's sister, whom I interviewed at her mother's home in Ladysmith two months earlier. Hello? Kelly is actually in Barron when she answers at a high school basketball game, Ladysmith versus Barron. I can hear referee whistles and crowd cheers in the background, but I also notice Kelly's voice is trembling. I'm standing next to my wife as I ask, Kelly, is there news? And Kelly blurts out, Lou, they found her. She just found out the news herself moments earlier. A deputy had walked right into the basketball game and told her. My next question for Kelly, is Jamie alive? And Kelly says, she's alive. They got her. She's coming home. Unbelievable. After 88 days and hours after an apparent false alarm, we find out Jamie Kloss is alive. I call Kelly back with a recorder. Hey, Kelly, it's Lou again. Yeah, Lou. Hey, say, uh, I was wondering if I could just uh, get a quote from you. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, what was your reaction when you heard the news? I, I, I cried. I, I sat down on the bench. Um, I was, I mean, I'm shocked. We've had so much bad news. This year, um, well, no, it's 2019, so it's good year. It's good news in 2019. 
Um, it's what we've prayed for every single day for the last 87 days or whatever it is, 87, 88. I can't even remember. Did, did it reach, did it reach a point where you were bracing yourself for bad news or anything like no, that? No, no, I honestly, I honestly, um, I honestly had faith. I, I, I figured if they hadn't found her by now that the person that, that did this didn't want her dead. So I had hope every day, every day there was hope. We had, we had too much love and support around us for us to give up. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I can't wait to see her. So do you know what happened yet? No, no. I I honestly only think that I know is that she, I believe, and I don't even know this. Um, I'm at the game and I think she walked away from the house and went to get help. Somebody, the neighbor called, called. So that's all I know. So have you called other family members and let everybody know? Everybody. All of our family knows. What's what's everybody saying? Uh, uh, Well, I'm at the game. After we leave the game, we'll go to my mother's house. Um, My brother, my other two brothers are there and the families. And um, I I don't know. I, I, I think we're just kind of all in shock. We, we, um, I told Jennifer, that's her Denise's sister, that when she gets her in her hands and her arms to call me so that we know that she's physically back. So that's all we're waiting for. Do, do you know, was Jamie hurt at all or anything like that? Or is she Not healthy? That we know of. Nope, they didn't tell us. They said everything looks good. She's talking, answering questions. Wow. So, yeah. It's all, I mean, it's, it's so awesome. I mean, <sighs> we, we can't thank you guys enough for covering everything and yeah, yep. I mean, I mean, so, we we brace ourselves for bad news, you know. To be honest, yep. we we see yep. so much of it. Yep. And so when something like this happens, it's just we're oh, all we're all on cloud it's nine awesome. right now. Oh, absolutely. We we I literally talked to her sister and I said I, I don't even know what to say to you, Jennifer. I said, I because we've you know had such bad news all the time and and everything was so depressing and now it's good. It's hard to even it's hard to even feel good because you you've you've been you felt so bad for so long. So and when we see her, it'll be different. But, you know, right now we're just, just so happy. So happy with everybody, law enforcement, FBI. They've been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, well, so, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. Well, thank you. Thank can't you. can't wait I, to see you guys again. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Okay. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. So 88 Days producer Ellie Coder is with me here. So, Ellie, I get this news in my kitchen. It hasn't been reported anywhere. I call our news director, Stuart Boslow, and I calmly tell him, Jamie Kloss has been found. She's alive. We need to get right on this. And I also had been told, and I told him that it's going to become official at 8 o'clock. It's about 7.30 right now. So what's the reaction like back in our newsroom? On that night, I was producing the 10 o'clock news. So I had pretty much the whole show set up. Everything was pretty much ready to go. I was just working on writing. And my executive producer, Cindy Chapman, gets a phone call and runs out of the room. I looked at her. thought that was kind of weird. And... She comes running back in and shouts to the whole newsroom, Jamie Kloss has been found. And we're all sitting there and we just kind of look at her in stunned silence. And someone says the same thing, alive? And she says, yes. And I just was sitting at my desk and I kind of just froze for like probably almost a full minute and was just staring at my computer screen in shock, absolute shock, because... This is one of those situations where this is terrible, but when you're in this business, you so rarely expect any good news to happen. So I don't, I can't speak for everyone else, but I never thought she would be found alive. I was in absolute shock. And then 
you don't have a lot of time to waste because it's almost 8 p.m. and the news is going on at 10. Like, ready or not, it's going on at 10. So all of a sudden, everybody's just on the phone. I like. I think I looked at somebody that works on our assignment desk and I just said, call everyone. Call everyone in because this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck situation because we needed to get this on the air and we wanted to do like a live cut-in. So we had to wait for it to get officially confirmed. And we had to get you in. We had to get somebody in the car to Barron because it's two hours away. And it was like a, probably a full like 25 minutes to a half an hour of just like a little bit of panic trying to figure out what we were going to (laughs) do to make this happen. Right. And talking about that, that surprise that she's found alive, I'm feeling the same thing. And, and I even in my phone call with Kelly, I even say, you know, we, these things don't always end up this way. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Jacob Wetterling case earlier in this podcast. And for me personally, Growing up in Minnesota, and I'm getting a little emotional talking about it because uh, that was a, a difficult thing to go through because I was eight years old when Jacob Wetterling was kidnapped, and that's 1989. He was 11 years old at the time. And growing up and becoming a reporter, I think just about every reporter who grew up in Minnesota who's about my age would say that their dream interview would be that Jacob Wetterling comes home alive and says, I have a story to tell. And you get to sit down and share that happiness that he's alive and, and find out what happened and where he's been and just that happy ending. And so when that case ended after 27 years with us finding out that he was dead and he was actually killed the night that he was taken, I think it just absolutely tore me apart personally, even though when you think about it, that's the most likely thing that happened. And of, of course, that's what happened. And I think that with Jamie Kloss, I really did the best I could to guard my emotions because I didn't want that same feeling again if it turned out that way, where we found out that she was killed the night that she was taken. And so it's just this euphoria when you find out that she's alive and I really can't remember the last time that that I couldn't wait to get back to work to finish this story. Thank you for joining us. We have incredible breaking news tonight. 13-year-old Jamie Kloss has been found alive just an hour north of her home in Barron, Wisconsin. She'd been missing for almost three months. Jamie was found this afternoon after the Douglas County Sheriff's Office received a call from a citizen and just minutes later, a suspect was taken into custody. The Douglas County Sheriff's Office in Wisconsin says she was found just outside the small town of Gordon in a development called Eau Claire Acres. The news broke just before 8 o'clock tonight on the Barron County Sheriff's Facebook page. Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald says his department was notified by the Douglas County Sheriff's Department that Jamie had been found. People in Barron and surrounding communities are stunned tonight that after months of searching, Jamie is alive. There are still a lot of things we don't know tonight, however. Lou Raguse has been making lots of calls on any developments from our newsroom and talked with Jamie's family tonight. Lou? Julian Randy, Jamie's family's in shock. And it's an outcome we all know is rare in a case like this. Her family members believe she was targeted and taken against her will. 
We now know Jamie was in a development about seven miles east of the small town of Gordon, Wisconsin. There are a lot of cabins there, seasonal and permanent residents. Family members tell us they were told Jamie got out and asked for help. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, this is Lou Raguse calling from CARE 11. Yes. Hey, congratulations on the good news. Yeah. Thank you. And so uh, just tell me what you're, going th- what you're going through right now and how you heard well, the news and how you reacted. We were, it was just unbelievable because, you know, you hear about, you know, you're not sure if she's going to be found or going to be found. And then when you actually hear it, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And we're all, all just so grateful and happy. Are you in shock? Yes. And I think that's part of it too, you know, is. I was like, no, it's just, it's just great. We did, we, we're all at my, actually at my mother's house right now. Got it. Just kind of celebrating here a little bit. Yeah. I, we don't really know a lot. Yeah. To be honest with you, we just know that she is um, uh, on her way home. That's good. So hopefully she's okay. We don't really know what shape she's in or, you know, what, we don't really know a lot. Though. We, she's alive. She's alive, and that's what matters. The Kloth family is together tonight celebrating. We know there is a suspect in custody, but the Barron County Sheriff has not released more information about him. The family tells me Jamie was taken to the hospital and will be reunited with them later tonight or tomorrow morning. Randy and Julie. It's right. just amazing. Thank you, Lou. Mm-hmm. Ken Erdahl is live in Barron tonight. Kent? Oh, Julie, it was uh, back in December when this tree behind me was lit up in Jamie's honor. Tonight, I'm going to bring in a couple of people here who were really helping that light shine in Barron. We've got Melissa Selmanson and Jennifer Helverson. Uh, you two started the Facebook page, Light the Way Home for Jamie. Tell me about your reaction tonight when this news came in. Um, aesthetic, in shock, elated, overjoyed, just every good emotion you can imagine. A bunch of tears, and honestly, I just was so thinking God is so good, and this is a true life miracle, and it proves that being hopeful, positive, and prayers can actually produce a miracle. Again, missing 13-year-old Jamie Kloss has been found alive about an hour north of her hometown of Barron, Wisconsin. A suspect is in custody, and her family is anxiously awaiting to be reunited with her sometime tonight or tomorrow. We sign off from our newscast, but our work is really just beginning. With Kent and Barron, we send Danny Spiewak to Gordon, Wisconsin, to try to find out exactly how Jamie was found. And the heroic neighbors step forward the next day to let everyone know they didn't find Jamie. Jamie found them. I was on a kind of a regular walk I take my dog on when we're up here. Jeannie Nutter is wearing a long yellow parka and is walking her golden lab named Henry Standing Bear. Jeannie's in her 60s, her silver hair pulled into a bun. Reporters and cameras gather around Jeannie in a circle right there on the gravel road under the early afternoon sun. And she begins to tell us how Jamie Kloss approached her, looking disheveled, wearing adult men's tennis shoes on the wrong feet. And I was finishing my walk right at the end of my driveway and Jamie was coming towards me. And so I was a social worker in child protection for like 30 years. So that part of my brain kicked in. And um, I said, this is a kid who needs something. So she, as I got closer to her, she sort of fell into me and told me who she was. What did she say? She said, I'm Jamie. And I recognized her immediately. She just said, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. She said, I don't know where I am a couple of times. And I explained, you're in Gordon, Wisconsin. And when I knew who she was, I said, Jamie, you're really only 
an hour and a half or so from home, if that gives you some perspective. So then my other brain kicked in and said, get this kid safe. And um, don't bring her to your cabin because I'm alone with just my dog. So I went, I went to one house and no one was there. So then I went to Peter and Kristen's house because I knew she's a teacher. She'd be home. She would get it. She would let me in. Um, so I knocked on the door and said, you need to let me in and call 911 because I believe I have Jamie with me. She wasn't dressed for the weather. Uh, she just had on um, some kind of slacks and a sweatshirt, no gloves, no hat, no mittens, nothing. Um, so I knew I needed to get her out of the cold. I needed to get her off the road. I did ask her if the alleged perpetrator was home, and she said no. And I said, is he in a car? And she said yes. So I asked her what color because I would want to know if I saw a car coming to do plan B, which I didn't know what it was, but to get her away from the road. I just wanted her in a house, and I wanted the police to be here, so that's what I did. Was she Were scared for your safety at, at that point? No, I was scared for her. Um, I, I wasn't, I just want, I just kept telling myself, don't let her know you're scared. Just talk calmly, walk calmly. My dog was just like this. He was calm. Um, so I got her to Peter and Kristen's, and that's it. Do you, have you thought about what are the odds that you just happened to be out walking your dog at the time that Jamie had escaped and you um, were able to find her? It, it's just crazy, you know. Um, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and I had some social work skills that I used, and my husband was a police officer, so I've learned from him just be calm and... All I wanted to do was get her safe. Did you know it was Jamie Claus when you saw her? Yes. Well, you know, if you live in Wisconsin, you know who she is. I, you know, I, my job is not to ask questions and not to interrogate her. My job was to keep her calm and safe. And that's all I did. Well, she found a social worker and a teacher. Well, I, I think the best two people I possible. Know. And not only are, is she a teacher, they are foster parents at one time. So it's like a damn miracle. And you had said that Jamie wasn't dressed for the weather. What no. was her condition otherwise? Um, considering the, you know, I've worked with kids who've been, you know, victims of childhood trauma, and I knew her parents were killed, so I knew she had experienced unthinkable trauma. Um, knowing that, she seemed pretty calm. But I just, all I could say to myself is be calm, keep her calm. So that's what we did, and we got her to... Peter and Kristen's. What's the last thing she said to you? When you was it when you handed her off to the... Yeah, I, d I told her she was going to be okay. And gave her a hug and the cops were great and took her. I was cleaning fish and Kristen and the kids just got home from school. Kristen and Peter Kosinskis are both 40 years old, parents of school-aged kids. Kristen is a teacher at nearby Northwood School District. They live on the same country loop as Jeannie, a 1.5-mile U-shaped gravel road called Eau Claire Acres Circle. Like a lot of the homeowners here, Jeannie just visits her cabin once a month or so. But Peter and Kristen live there year-round. And that's why Jeannie went straight for their house. She thought they'd be home. And then we saw the neighbor knocking at the door, and we could see her big yellow dog. And she knocked, and then the door swung open, the dog came in, and then here she helps Jamie into the kitchen and says, this is Jamie Kloss, call 911. Douglas County 911. Hi, I have um, a young lady at my house right now, and she just says her name is Jamie Cloth. Okay, have you seen her photo, ma'am? Yes, it Does is it her. I 100% think it is her. Okay. 100%. Does it look like she's going to run? No, she's sitting down, she's relaxing. 
Okay, hang on just a second. When she came in, I knew it was her immediately, and I think even my kids knew it was her. I mean, we've been looking at her face everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Um, so it was no doubt in my mind that it was her. And then um, she was really calm, I thought. She was pretty quiet, but she was kind of smiling when we would talk to her. She said hello to the kids. and Very sweet, very sweet. While Kristen is on the phone with the 911 dispatcher, you can hear her and Jeannie asking Jamie questions. Are you cold? Do you need a blanket or anything? Okay. Do you need anything to drink or water or anything? Okay. I know everybody's wondering, what did she look like? How was she? Tired, mm-hmm. skinny. You know, you know, dirty. She hasn't, hasn't probably hasn't bathed in quite a while, if at all. Um, but yeah, she just, she looked rough. She Run looked down. rough. Yeah, you know, and she didn't, didn't really have any emotion. She was kind of probably in shock, you know, relieved, all that at once. And you know, to get out of where she was, you know, it was probably too much for her brain to really handle right then. What did you say to her? Uh, what when kind she, of interaction did you have? Well, Kristen, at first, she tried to get the guy's name in the car, so we got that first. And then she asked if, if she had known him before this happened. She said, no, I did not know him until he came to the house. And then she said, he, he killed my parents and took me. And that's what she said. She said she did not know no. who he was. No. And she didn't know that all this was going on. Like she had no, no access to any media of any kind because she didn't know anybody was looking for her. So, because when we saw her and we said, we know you, we've seen you a lot. And she was surprised that you know, we knew who she was. I asked her if she'd ever been to Gordon. She said she doesn't know where Gordon is. She didn't know anything about Gordon. Did she indicate that she has been in that house for all three months? No, she didn't really know. say if she was there no. the whole time. She just, but it, the only she's thing we been got from with her, him, yes, the whole time. It seems like the entire time. Yep. Yeah. The 911 dispatcher asked to talk to Jeannie, too. I was walking my dog, and we were almost home, and she was walking towards me, crying, saying, you got to help me, you got to help me. She didn't know where she was. When I saw her, she was saying, where am I, where am I? She doesn't have any shoes. She's wearing his tennis shoes. What size shoe do you wear? And she said, I am Jamie Kloss. Yes. She said, he killed my parents. I want to go home. Help me. Jamie told the neighbors she escaped after her captor left the house. And it's not clear how long he'll be gone. The neighbors worry he could come back looking for her at any moment. Jamie, do you know when he's going to come back? Saying that he's going to be home at midnight is not a for sure thing. Okay. She doesn't know where he went or what he does. She told me that when he leaves her, she doesn't know that he's gone. He turns the music up real loud, pushed you, hides you under a bed. He has hidden her under a bed. What was the situation that she was in in that house? I mean, hidden, you know, he had friends over. She said when he would have people over you know, friends, whatever, that he would hide her. So they didn't know she was there. We don't, she didn't say where, she just said that he would hide her. So, so she was she unseen. So she didn't say where she was being held in she the house? She did not say where she was being held in the house, Did no. she say how she got out? She did not say, no. God. No. And we, did, we didn't want to ask we too many questions other than to get the police to our house and get her gone and safe right That's away. So we didn't want to traumatize her more than she already is and will be for quite some time. So we're kind of scared because he might come. Yep. So if the cops could get here soon, we would I have, um, I have many deputies headed that way. I'm going to keep you on the line. Okay. Ma'am, my okay. deputy, he just wants you to lock the doors. Okay, they would like us to lock the doors and not open the door for anybody but them. Yep. We he had the kids get downstairs, and I went to a back door of our house just to make sure that nobody was coming in from the back side of the house. And then within 
say five minutes of them knowing he was in the area they had him in custody. Were you also fearful? I mean, this is a yeah. guy who was accused of killing I, people. you know, I didn't really, I wasn't scared. I mean, it was, there was so much going on. I just thought, do what I need to do to keep the people that are in my house safe right now. And then that's about all I did. And so I did, it didn't cross my mind to be scared. And we probably walked by that house with our dogs several times. We, we didn't know. So there's, you know, it is what it is. And, and I'm just glad she's alive and, and where she needs to be right now. So... Yeah, so we can just pray that she makes a good recovery and, and you know, gets better. Uh, just, you guys, you guys mm. right place, right time, yep. right people. Right, we said that exact thing. I talked to my pastor last yeah. night because I wanted him to know, and he says, you know, that's probably why you bought that house three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you, guys. Yep. Thank you so much. Meantime, about 70 miles south in Barron. Welcome. <clears throat> Excuse me for my voice. Lost it, of course, yesterday. <laughs> Sheriff Chris Fitzgerald walks into a press conference with a huge smile on his face. I mean, it was first unreal, and is it true? And then when we confirmed with Sheriff Dahlbeck's team that it's confirmed that it was her, uh, you know, my legs started to shake, man. It was, it was awesome. It was just the stress and relief. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. I don't, I don't have a different word. I mean, it's just fabulous. It was just great. Sheriff, why did you never lose hope that she was alive? <clears throat> There's no reason to give up hope. We didn't have any evidence to show that she was injured or that she was hurt at the scene. Um, there was no reason to give up hope. Um, that tree lighting ceremony at the school, those kids believed, and when kids believe, it's easy for adults to believe. On that note, Sheriff, you've been working tirelessly 88 days. To see her escape by herself, what is that like? Uh, that is the will of a kid to survive. It's the unthinkable. I mean, it's just, uh, you guys know, understand the fake news that's out there, and you guys get bombarded with it, and we just had it prior to this. I mean, I wasn't done with the first tip about she's not in Walworth County and she's in Douglas County. How can that be? I mean, my head spins, as you guys have seen for the last 88 days. Um, it's amazing the will of that 13-year-old girl to survive and escape. Um, and I, that comes from the hope and the prayers and this community and what everybody did. I think what's very uh, interesting is she was recognized immediately by both the female walking the dog and the people at the house because of the work that we did, the public did, and the media did. I think that can't go un, untalked about here. I mean, that was remarkable that people recognized her. Just what we wanted to happen, happened. The sheriff makes a great point here. Do you want to guess what Kristen Kosinskis had for her Facebook profile pic the moment Jamie Kloss walked in her door? It was the 13-year-old's photo with a ribbon that said, Find Jamie. We'll be back at 4 o'clock. Thank you guys all again. Appreciate it. And this applause as the sheriff walks away is something I don't think I've ever seen before at a law enforcement press conference. Julie's in Barron, Wisconsin tonight. Carol Evans' Julie Nelson anchors our coverage of Jamie's escape. 
live in Barron, right outside the law enforcement center. I don't ever remember a story quite like this. I know I speak for a lot of people here in this Barron community who are feeling an overwhelming sense of relief today, but it is also a flood of emotions that's hard to grapple with because everyone, as the details come out, realize how very much a 13-year-old girl has been through in the last three months. Even the sheriff this morning, when he first spoke to all of us, had emotion in his voice and his voice was cracking. I talked to a woman here who lives in the community who has a 15-year-old daughter who said that when she told her daughter last night that Jamie had been found alive, her daughter collapsed to her knees and started crying. I mean, this is a story that has had a very big impact here in Barron County, but not just here, really, all across the state and all across the country. But certainly no one has felt the emotion and the pain of this story and the joy of the news more than Jamie's godmother, who is also her aunt. I spoke with her moments before she left to go reunite with Jamie, and I can tell you she was overcome with emotion. She did not sleep at all last night, as you can imagine. And she shared with me her fears. She shared with me her uh, immediate plans for the future, um, and also her sense of the strength that Jamie must have gained in these last few months to have been able to escape her captor. It's going to be great to see her and see, know that she's okay and give her that big hug. We had talked earlier that it's so, such a blessing that she's alive, but there's such a long road ahead. How do you even... It's a long road ahead, yes. But we will get through it. We have... We have a large family. I mean, we have gained lots of family through all this. There's so many loved ones out there for Jamie. So many happy tears from all over the all over the nation. <laughs> so we, yeah, we'll get through it. And we'll grieve you- together for my brother and sis- my sister and my brother-in-law, and because we haven't had time to do that, do it with Jamie, and we'll take little steps and we'll get through it. That is. That is such an excellent point. She has had to grieve her parents by herself if she's even been able to. Yes, I know. That's all I've been thinking about. Lots of things this morning go through my mind. What else is going through your mind? Just, you know, what that poor girl's been through. It's been 88 days, you know. And, you know, we don't know. Late 88 days is a long day. A lot of days for somebody to be gone. Yeah. yeah. And, and the assumption is she's going to live with you, right? Yes, I'm her. We're her godparents, my husband and I, and I. I actually watched her twelve years of her life. Also, I used to do daycare. Oh, so you guys are so close, and she'll just—it'll yes. feel like home. It's been home, second home. Yes. That's right. So, do you have a room set up for her? I know you had three other children. We're in the process of doing it right now, and we're going to go get her a new bed, and we're going to make it as comfy and girly as we can do. <laughs> Oh, just imagine her finally yeah. being home like a snuggly blanket. Your safety there. I'm just so happy for you. I'm really, really happy for you. I can't wait. Just let her know, please, just how much we've all been thinking about her and praying for her. And, oh, I will. And if there's anything you want to say to the community, what would that be? Just thank you for not giving up on Jamie and for having hope, like all of us family. And um, thanks for all their support. And sharing on social media, sharing posters, and I can't thank the media enough for keeping her face alive on the news. And FBI, DCI, law enforcement. I mean, the bravery that she had to have, too, when you think about it? 
it had to have been. I mean, that little girl must have grew very strong because you don't know Jamie like we do, and she's a very shy girl, and that's what I think hurt us so much inside, knowing that is she going to be strong enough to strong enough to run away when she can and bless her heart (laughs) she did she's a strong little brave little girl for doing that jamie's bravery becomes even more evident as details of the crime begin to trickle out sheriff fitzgerald announces the suspect's name jake patterson a 21 year old with absolutely no criminal record who apparently lived alone in the cabin jake patterson was not on law enforcement's radar at this time Nothing in this case shows the suspect knew anyone at the Kloss home or at any time had contact with anyone in the Kloss family. The suspect had specific intentions to kidnap Jamie and went to great lengths to prepare to take her. With regard to the suspect taking great efforts to minimize his forensic footprint at the crime scene, they include things like not leaving trace evidence by changing his physical appearance like shaving his head not to leave hair behind. We have recovered a gun consistent with what was used at the scene of the initial homicide. The gun used at the scene on the night of the incident was a shotgun. The shotgun was also used to shoot open the door at the Kloss home on the night of the incident. The sheriff tells us Patterson was interrogated by investigators, but he doesn't share much of what they learn. Patterson is jailed on suspicion of first-degree murder for the death of Jim and Denise Kloss in a charge of kidnapping for taking Jamie. I mean, Jamie is the hero in this case. There's no question about it. And um, she's the one that helped us break the case. That's something Sheriff Fitzgerald repeats when he sits down with Kent Erdahl for a one-on-one interview. She took that first step. Taking that step was just unbelievable when she took that step. And I think that's a lesson we can teach our kids. I think that's a lesson that we can teach when we say, how do we talk about this with our kids? Never give up hope. Keep your prayers alive. You know, you get into a situation, you never give up. There'll be an opportunity for you to take advantage of. Um, You know, and we think she took advantage of an opportunity when the suspect wasn't there. Any closer to understanding or revealing how these two came into contact or how he came to target Jamie? Still no evidence to produce or that I've been told about that shows any connection to any of the Kloss family members. Um, anytime doesn't show that he's ever been to the house, doesn't show that he ever, ever had contact through any digital footprint, um, and still nothing to show that this wasn't, that was, this was just a random, well-planned attack on the Kloss home. I don't know if he just saw her or what the connection is, but there's been no contact like everybody thinks like this you know texting or some gaming or something like that all of that so far has been ruled out i i guess we are sitting in front of the jail here and it is kind of we talked about that i talked about that with my colleagues last night it's kind of surreal thinking he's not that far away um less than a football field away from us what do you think about that i i don't think about that i think about her at home when we got to bring her back to Barron County last night and he's in jail um, where he's supposed to be. Have you seen Jamie yet? I have not. I can't wait to see her, but family's more important. Jamie's, again, Jamie's pace. All I was told is she woke up after a good night's sleep in a safe home and had a smile on her face. And, uh, uh, (laughs) yeah. That's awesome. 
Was there a hardest day or hardest moment through these last three months? You know, I think every day was hard. It struggled. It was frustrating. I think not finding her. You know, I think once you go through some of that evidence and you guys would come and interview me and say, hey, what'd you find today? We've been 30 days. We've been 60 days. And I can't say we don't have anything new. We don't have any good tips. Um, even though we were getting tips, and I can't thank the public enough for all the tips that they have gave us, but to tell the public that we didn't have any new tips, but we've been working on it for six or three months or two months, um, was very frustrating. So I think as those days got longer and the frustration grew, um, but then we went to events like the tree lighting and that hope and those kids coming up and saying, just find my classmate. Okay, you just re-sparked me. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And, and we did that. And uh, this community did, help, did hold us up at times when we needed it. And it's been pretty awesome. You have a couple of kids and you have your own 13-year-old. I do. I have a 13 and a 16-year-old. How hard was that and how did you deal with that? A couple extra hogs even though they're 13 and 16. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's been hard. It's been a little different. Keep track of them. I always did before in my job of seeing the worst in people. Um, but I saw a lot of good here, and I saw a lot of community support, and I saw a lot of people that supported my family uh, when they needed it, when I wasn't there. So, um, yeah. What'd you tell them? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and they only wanted, <clears throat> excuse me, they only wanted one thing, and that's for us to bring Jamie home. Um, and people would do anything for us um, as long as we brought Jamie home. But you were saying you believe the community is going to be okay? Yeah, I think after this community and what they've done for us, what they've done for Jamie, what they've done for the family has been tremendous. Uh, and I know we can do anything now. So taking on you know, this healing process and helping Jamie is going to be simple for us because I've seen what we can do together. Well, it'll be hard on Jamie and it'll be hard on us. This podcast is sponsored by the new CARE 11 app, now totally redesigned to make it the newest, easiest, must-have app for Minnesota weather with interactive radar, video forecasts, and hyper-local accurate weather alerts. It is still coming in with a lot of lightning and thunder. We do have a few warnings out for a number of counties. From the hottest days to the most severe storms, stay on top of it all with the new CARE 11 app. Download or update today. I know we can do it together. As Jamie is reunited with her family, the community is elated. Diane Tremblay, the Barron Area School Superintendent, speaks on behalf of teachers and students. What a glorious day. This will certainly never be forgotten. There's so much love and hugs in our district today. Jamie has been found safe and has been reunited with her family and friends, there is truly nothing in the world better than that. It has been 88 days of hope for her safe return, 88 days of prayers for Jamie, her family, friends, our students, staff, and community, 88 days of holding on to the faith that our authorities would never give up, and they certainly did not. Finally, 88 days of our close-knit community with the same goal in mind and that was to bring Jamie home and back into our arms. Most importantly, we want to thank Jamie for being so courageous, 
and for achieving an opportunity to find her way back to us. What an extraordinary young lady. Jamie, we missed you, and we are so grateful you are home. Thank you. And the community changes the look of Barron. All those signs in front of Main Street businesses that for the last 88 days said things like prayers for Jamie, find Jamie, and bring Jamie home, now say, welcome home, Jamie. Thank you for bringing her home, and thank you, God. Despite lots of unknowns, they always hoped and prayed and believed she would come home alive. Boyd Hooper joins us now live from the Tree of Hope in Barron, Wisconsin, with details on this amazing community. Boyd? Well, you're right about that, Julie. This tree shined brightly during the holiday season as a symbol of hope. And tonight it remains lit, but also now as a sign of gratitude. It was almost like walking on air. At least for today, whatever ailed Baron has been cured. It's, it's almost like a miracle. We prayed for her every week, and, and no one ever gave up hope. Lift each other up. Never gave up hope through weeks of vigils, public displays, and green ribbons on the masthead of the local paper. Our society is in desperate need of hope. But Floyd Lundy, pastor at Barron's First Baptist Church, has seen it. Weekly, he visits the inmates at the county jail. We take a time for prayer, and many of them ask, can we pray for Jamie? My wife almost broke down and cried. She was so happy. Tom Jackson's big winter boots felt two pounds lighter on his afternoon walk. It's just amazing. <laughs> Hope became Barron's prescription. Just a gut feeling a lot of people had that she was still, you know, within reach of us. Tonight, they know Jamie was in reach of a hometown that kept on for her a light. It's the outcome that we prayed for and hoped for. Well, definitely euphoria here in Barron, but, but people would stop and they say, we must also remember that a loss was suffered. Jamie's parents were murdered and that Jamie went through unthinkable trauma. And we heard time and time again from people that we talked to today that they will be here for Jamie in the months and years to come. Barron insists that it will be here for Jamie going forward. That's amazing. What a fabulous story on a community that really has come together. And you could just tell when you did talk to people today, there were tears in their eyes saying so many prayers went up and were answered. Thank you, Boyd. We wrap up the weekend of elation when I meet Jamie's grandpa, Denise's father, Robert Nyberg. He lives in Cornell, a small town about an hour from Barron, where he raised his son and four daughters. Robert lost his wife, Rebecca, after a battle with cancer three years ago. I chat with Robert for about a half hour at his dining room table, and after we get to know each other, he says my photographer, David, can bring in the camera and he'll do an interview. Tonight, Jamie's grandfather spoke to our Lou Goose for the very first time about the emotion of finally having her back home. Lou? Rita, Robert Nyberg says his granddaughter, Jamie Kloss, was pretty quiet at their family homecoming party, but she's doing well considering what happened to her. Robert proudly displays a green oversized wooden ribbon on his front steps. For 88 days, the stickers on it said, bring Jamie home. But this weekend, Robert ripped off the word bring. Now it says, Jamie home. I wasn't giving up, nope. Nobody was giving up. Just about every available counter space in the dining room and living room is filled with pictures of Jamie. I think I got almost 15 pictures sitting around here of her when she was little and stuff. 
And his home is filled with ceramic angels, favorites of his late daughter, Denise. There's going to be a lot of angels out in the cemetery. Yeah. There's already a couple out there. That was kind of her nickname, too, was the guardian angel. Yeah, huh? she, she looked in the sky and said, you see that angel up there? And I said, no, I don't see an angel. <laughs> but she said, well, let's look close, you know. We'd be out in the cemetery or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, yeah, she was a believer in angels. It's just too bad that Jim and Denise aren't still here. Yeah, that's the part. It's gonna take me a while to heal from that. Probably never will. Because yeah. I'll wake up in the morning and I think about her. And, well, at least I know Jamie's safe now. Anyway, you can't believe last night when I went to church that people that come up to me and yeah. oh yeah they, oh they were all so happy uh-huh. you know what they told me the first time they seen a smile on my face in three months that's what they told me last night yeah I, now I got something to smile about again yeah so where were you and how'd you get the news well I was sitting right in my chair over there and my daughter Jennifer called and uh, she couldn't hardly talk she was crying and for happiness and stuff and she didn't talk very long, and she said she couldn't get home my other daughter because she didn't even answer the phone right away on account of that fake news in the afternoon mm-hmm. and put both of them into depression. Well, what were Jennifer's first words when you answered the phone? Jamie's, we got Jamie home. Jamie's back, Jamie's home. We phoned Jamie, yeah. That was the call you were waiting for, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. for 88 days, yeah. And so you got to see her? Oh yeah, as soon as she could. As soon as they brought her back from Superior, I was there waiting for her. So, yeah, she was, she had to be home. What happened when she walked in the door? I was the first one to give her a hug. And, yep, everybody give her a hug. And that afternoon, it was really a sweet deal because my son was there and, and they had a room upstairs for Jamie and it was, Nothing in there. By the time Jamie come home, it was like completely redid, just as nice as you could believe. So just in a matter of one day, they transformed it. One afternoon, about five hours. Wow, that's pretty special. Yeah, bought a special bed for her. Just beautiful, that room. Yeah. You and her have a special relationship? We did, always. They come here a lot to see me always. Yeah. Yeah. Just wonderful, just a miracle that she got away from him. Yeah. He might have been looking for it and hard telling what could have happened. Mm-hmm. We do know now that this guy didn't know Jamie. No. From what all that I've heard, he did not know her, and she did not know him. Well, Does that make it a... Uh, makes that- it a senseless deal. A senseless killing. I know. It's just the ultimate selfish act. Yep. I hope this guy here never sees daylight. I mean, he, it's a premeditated murder. Yeah, it's about as premeditated as it can be. Yeah, he, he went there to do away with him. Yeah, I just hope this don't, it hasn't dramatized Jamie too much. That's yeah. The part, that's the part I I'm sure there's gonna be highs and lows, you know? Oh, yeah. Do you plan on going to court and seeing this guy face-to-face or anything? I might, yeah. 
I don't know if I should, but I might. I really don't have no desire to see him. No. Well, we appreciate you talking with us. And okay. The 21-year-old is scheduled to make his first court appearance right here tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. I'll bring that to you as it happens. And the criminal complaint is expected to be filed in the morning with murder and kidnapping charges. Guys, back to you. Lou Regrus, live in Barron tonight. Thank you, Lou. Next time on 88 Days, elation turns to dismay. For the first time, we're seeing and hearing from the man now charged with kidnapping 13-year-old Jamie Kloss and killing her parents. As we begin to learn the details of the crime. He remained in hiding after abducting Jamie for 88 days before he was apprehended. Who is Jake Patterson? Who is this man accused of the brutal murders and kidnapping? There were a lot of unanswered questions about Jake Patterson's background. What was it and what was his life path that led him to this point? And the community braces for what's next. Do you believe this is going to trial? Uh, At this point, we have every reason to believe it will go to trial, yes. This is 88 Days, the Jamie Kloss story. A Care 11 original podcast in association with Vault Studios. Check out 88dayspodcast.com for more information on the Jamie Kloss case. 88 Days is written and produced by me, Lou Raguse, and Ellie Coder. Original music is by Dave Mailing and Emily Havik, and original artwork by David Malman. Special thanks to Care 11 management and staff for their contributions, the people of Barron, Wisconsin, and the Kloss family. Growing up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing. Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the Bluegrass State. But Bardstown, Kentucky also has secrets. Five unsolved murders over four years. Rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been 100% great. Listen to what I'm saying. You listen to what I'm saying. Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. 